This is a TBN UK podcast. In this series, you can hear some of the interviews from TBN Meets, where faith meets culture. Hear from Christian ministries, innovators, authors, artists, and creatives. Hi, TBN family, and welcome to TBN Meets. Today, we are joined by entrepreneur William Adwesi, founder of Vitae London. Vitae is a watch company that challenges itself to make a difference in the world. He's also a worship leader at Hillsong and a photographer. William is here to tell us how he brings his faith into his business and also what important lessons he's learned. Welcome, William. Thanks for having me. So first of all, tell us a little bit about you. I mean, I mentioned a bit about what you do, but yeah. about you. Yeah, so I'm recently turned 29. I keep saying 28 for some reason. Um, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur, uh, generally just a creative. I'm also a father, uh, a husband, um, a Christian. Yeah, that's who I am. Amazing. So you have this business, Vitae Watches. So tell me a little bit about how that kind of came to be. Yeah, I, I always say it was birthed out of frustration. Um, frustration on two parts. Firstly, the fact that I was working a job I wasn't particularly passionate about and always knowing within myself that I was more passionate about the creative field, passionate about fashion and really passionate about watches. Um, so that was the first frustration. And the second one is the fact that my dad is actually the first in my family line to learn to read and write. Wow. So he grew up in Ghana and that broke a cycle of poverty that was plaguing our family for generations. And my wife went on a mission trip about five years ago to a charity called House of Wells. Um, and when she was over there, she realized the impact a little bit of money could have in removing barriers to education. So we were supporting them on a monthly basis with our personal finances. And then my entrepreneurial mind just started ticking and thinking of ways I could combine this, this passion sorry, for fashion and this passion to make a difference and compassion. And Vitae was birthed out of that. Now... A couple of years ago, I would say maybe like three to five years ago, you would see a lot of kind of what I would call social justice almost yeah. entrepreneurship happening. Mm. And some people didn't quite manage to make the gap in terms of actually make a viable business. What do you think actually stood you or has helped you to kind of stand that test of time a little bit? I guess it's finding the balance and ensuring that the business can stand, stand on its own two feet, even without the social justice element. So for me, I wanted to ensure my watches were just as good quality, if not better than our competitors at a similar price point. Um, and we had some other USPs that were product based as well. And then the social justice element is a nice, great addition to the brand, as opposed to the early reason someone buys our product. Um, so ensuring that we could actually compete in the market purely based on our product mm. has enabled us to stand the test of time and ensure that we impact the children the way we, in which we want to. And so how does it work? Someone buys a watch, and then do they know what they're contributing to or is it kind of a byproduct? Like, how does that Yeah, happen? so historically, whenever we sold a watch, we would distribute a set of school uniform to a child in need across South Africa. And we've also made an impact in Zimbabwe, Lesotho and Uganda. And more recently, we've actually been making an impact where uh, my parents are from and where I originate from in Ghana. Um, so with each watch, we now provide a solar light. Um, so, yeah, we've partnered with yeah, charities on the ground. We've seen that often children will come home at nighttime and have to burn kerosene or walk for hours just to find a good source of light to be able to study. But now with one of these solar lights that we provide whenever we sell a watch, we can remove that barrier to education. And it's crazy to think that not only one child is impacted, but often their siblings and, and other people in, in the local community too. And so what has 
been one of the, I mean, I'm sure there's so many lessons that you've yeah. learned on this journey. What has been one of the most important lessons that you've learned? Um, I, I always say this and I sound super smart when I say it, but it's literally start small. It's straight from the Bible. Um, often people come up to me with phenomenal ideas um, and concepts in their mind and massive dreams. And they're so intimidated by the scale of their dream that they end up doing nothing with it. And they sit idly, they believe it's beyond them. Whereas I found in this journey is that if you can have the mind frame of not despising the small and starting small mm -hmm. and building something small every single day towards a much larger vision before you know it, you would have accomplished that which seemed really massive. So yeah, I just encourage people to start small. Like what one bit of research can you do today? Mm -hmm. Who can you speak to in the market that's already doing something? What can you do that can contribute towards that? And it's really interesting that obviously this is in a kind of a Christian space, like not a Christian business, but in a yeah. Christian space with a Christian ethos behind it. Mm -hmm. How easy have you found working that into what is not necessarily a, a Christian business? Yeah, I, I guess it's, it's within me, it's emanated from me. So I haven't found it particularly tough. Um, it's actually been exciting to, because we've had people like Richard Branson come on board and become ambassadors and quite a few other celebrities. And it's amazing that they actually see the power in making an impact. So not only making profit, which is important within any business, but actually making an impact with those profits. So it's been amazing to see the people of the world per se, mm. actually come alongside what we're doing and see the value in actually building a kingdom business. And um, so you were mentored by Richard Branson yeah. for a time, I believe. Yeah. What was that like? Because he's had phenomenal success. Yeah, it's, it's, it's surreal when I actually look back at it. Um, it was amazing. I guess what a part of me was fearful of being the face of the brand, for instance. And I remember one session with him where he spoke about the power of actually sharing your narrative with the world um, and how that can actually enable people to connect not only to the brand, but to the heart behind the brand. Um, and that advice has actually enabled us to like land some amazing sort of PR opportunities, et cetera. So yeah, just being around him and seeing the way he operates, seeing the way he relates to his team, relates to other people has been, yeah, it's been an amazing, amazing thing to watch. Because a lot of people talk about authenticity. Mm. <laughs> There's something about authenticity that can be sometimes quite inauthentic. Yeah. So how do you manage to keep that? Because that's what he's obviously saying to you is be authentic yeah. for you. Yeah. How do you maintain that in a very real way? Um, I guess it's tough, but it's understanding that if like being vulnerable is not, it, it does often feel like a time of weakness, but it's also a time of connection. So when you are vulnerable, when you're able to open up, when you're able to share in the low moments, which most people shy away from, it actually enables you to connect with other people because we're in a generation where social media only shows you the highlight reel of someone's life, the best moments, the smiling moments, but it doesn't show you the low moments. So being able to actually share those harder times enables me to resonate with yeah, so many more people. And a lot of Christians, well, this is just my own personal opinion, <laughs> tend to sometimes shy away from those spaces, yeah. preferring to either do business amongst ourselves or mm -hmm. be in so-called, what we would call atypical ministry. Yeah. Whereas this actually gives you an opportunity to be a light out there. Mm. Why do you think people are afraid of that or not so willing to always jump into that space? I think it's, it's a tough thing to balance because I do believe some people are genuinely called yeah. to the church. Yeah. Um, for me, I actually went for a stint for about seven months working for my church, working for Hillsong. Um, and over that period is when I feel like God was just confirming, 
I've called you to the marketplace. Yeah. Um, my dad's a pastor my whole life. I saw that as the, not the end goal, but I saw that as something I'd love to aspire to become. Um, and yeah, I just honestly believe God has equipped some people to do that phenomenally and run with it. But personally, God's called me into the marketplace. So yeah, I don't, I don't, in a sense, look down on people who believe God's mm. called them to the church because yeah. that's, that's the calling. most phenomenal place you could be. But also it's amazing that there's people like myself and so many other people that are out there yeah, in the marketplace day in, day out. And if you could pinpoint the thing that let you know that, okay, actually I am being called to the marketplace, what would that thing be? It's weird for me. I feel like there's been a grace um, around my business and I don't know, I feel like I feel closest to God or I feel that closest connection to God when I'm out in the marketplace making movements and I see the doors he opens that just don't make sense, that I don't deserve. Like six months into the business, into the business I was speaking at Hillsong Conference. A um, couple, couple months before that, I had started the mentorship with Richard Branson. There's so many celebrities that we've um, been fortunate enough to meet that I've just been chance meetings, right place, right time, happened to have products with me, been able to strike a re relationship, and then they've shared about what we're doing. So I just don't really believe in coincidences, and I just feel like there's been too many times that God has just aligned things for me to, to disobey. So, yeah. Amazing. Now, you're quite creative. So, as you said, you go to, everyone knows Hillsong for its creativity. Yeah, yeah. You're a photographer. You enjoy fashion. Mm. How do you think we can understand more about the theology of creativity in the church? Mm. I, I think creativity has been, has been put in a box. So people understand creativity as artsy. That's people's understanding of that. But I genuinely believe creativity is the ability to solve problems. So if you're a mathematician, you're creative. If you're an accountant, you're creative. It's just that ability to solve problems. And I believe that we were created by a creator in his image. So therefore we are all creative. We, we all have that creative ability within us, whether, whatever field you're in. So I encourage people to kind of lean into that creativity and lean into the ability to solve problems. Now, I know for me, one of the things that helps me to be most creative is running. Like, I feel like when I run, my head actually empties for I a few moments. <laughs> and I feel like I get my most creative ideas. When do you get your most creative ideas? And kind of when you when your watch company, when that was all kind of building up, what was the moment when you were like, aha, like, that's it? I get my most creative ideas, I think, at nighttime, which is annoying for myself and my wife. Because <laughs> um, I'll, I'll just be lying in bed and then, 11 o'clock, midnight, all of a sudden these ideas come. So I have to burst out, often disturbing my wife, sit on my laptop and just start dreaming. Um, so that's often when I'm quiet, alone is when those ideas come. And for Vitae London, I was, yeah, working this job I wasn't particularly passionate about, going into work every day and then these ideas would come to my mind, these designs, these, these looks, and I just felt like I had to work on it. Um, so every night I'd be working on it every weekend until the point we got our first batch of watches in. Um, and I, my wife and I had actually saved up a bit of money towards a house deposit. And I somehow persuaded her to allow me to quit my, <laughs> my well-paid job and use that money to start the business. And yeah, the rest is history. So in terms of um, being creative and having ideas, vision's never easy in the sense, if you get the vision, that feels great. And then it's actually time to now 
push the vision Implement, and to yeah. make it work. And it often feels like the first few steps are really easy mm. and then you hit that little wall. How did you manage, as I'm sure you've hit a wall before, to yeah, kind yeah. of just just keep on going and to not give up? I think it's it's about understanding seasons. Um, within any business, there's going to be the seasons where there's an influx, there's the seasons where it's a bit quieter. So it's actually taking a step back and not thinking emotionally, but actually thinking strategically at, okay, why is this season a bit of a lower season? Which enabled me actually in the future years to plan for that and to ensure that we double down on the higher seasons, which gave us enough runway for the lower seasons. And the second thing I, I always do is just keeping in mind the impact we make. Um, so I've been out to South Africa three times, garner a couple of times as well. And it's amazing to meet a child, give them the school uniform, hear their story, and then months later still see they're actively in school, they're thriving, they're doing well. So in my low moments, I reflect on our deeper purpose and the reason why we exist. And that, yeah, that definitely keeps me going. And what was the story that you've heard that's moved you the most? I mean, I'm sure they're all moving, but... Yeah, so there's, there's, a, there's a couple of stories. There's one in particular, a little girl called Lile. Um, and she was living in a, a really small shack um, in South Africa in Port Elizabeth. And she's living in this shack with her grandparents and her 14 other cousins and siblings. Um, and unfortunately, both her parents actually passed away due to HIV alongside a lot of her aunties and uncles. That's why they were all shacked together. So kind of hearing her story going out there, but her still being so positive, so bubbly about life, not letting life get to her and then being able to help remove a barrier to education for her and seeing her joy in the classroom setting as well, to me is yeah, a story that will yeah, never, never, ever leave me. Um, so yeah, that definitely, definitely keeps us going. Now, there must have also been on the journey some Goliath moments when you're like, I don't know how we're actually going <laughs> to get this giant down. And yeah. so can you tell me about one of those and kind of what carried you through that? Yeah, it's a, a, a kind of a Goliath moment for me was when my daughter was born. So if, like when it's just you and your wife, you can go through a few months where you're not even really paying yourself. You're getting by. Um, but then my daughter was born. I was questioning what I was supposed to be doing. That's when I took that short period working for church. Um, and the business was not dying, but it was dwindling. It wasn't going progressing as it was. And then just taking that leap to still want to support my family, but go after this God dream. It was like starting all over again. So that was a real kind of Goliath moment. But yeah, in that, I guess I just reflected on all the times that God provided when it just didn't make sense. And I guess similar to David reflecting on the times where he's destroyed these wild animals when he shouldn't, like he shouldn't have been strong enough to do. I guess for me, that's kind of holding on to the promises and holding on to what I've seen God already faithfully do kept me going through all of that. And that's so amazing because in this age of social media where, like you say, it's the highlights reel, mm. how do you live through those moments of public persona, everything needs to be okay, yeah. privately questioning, yeah. but kind of knowing deep down God's there, but just not quite sure where he is yeah. right now. Like yeah. how, how do you publicly outwalk that authentically without... Exposing all of your business, so to speak. Uh, it's so <laughs> difficult. Um, but I just, I, I think I probably tweet a little bit too much. Um, I'm often sharing like how I'm feeling on there. Um, and it's great because 
I feel like as well as being an example, for instance, in terms of how well a business can go, et cetera, et cetera, I'm just happy that I can be an example that you can be vulnerable no matter what and that you can share and that it's okay often not to be okay. And it's, it's okay to doubt sometimes just as long as you're working through those doubts with the right company around you. Yeah. Um, so for me, I feel like, especially like as a millennial, a lot of people do connect with me for those reasons. Because um, yeah, I've, I've even sometimes had doubts around, never had, had doubts with God, but often had doubts around the faith or what aspects I believe and all the theological debates that ensue. So being able to outwork that publicly and actually heal with an open wound for me has actually been a lot better than trying to deal with that fully privately. And how important is your group of friends or as people term these days, your squad? Like yeah. how, how, how important has that been? Uh, my, my, my group of friends is everything. Like my network, my, cause they're all, most of them are on a similar journey. Most of my closest friends are either entrepreneurs or creatives in quotes. So like musicians, etc. And yeah, they go through those similar cycles of the highs and the lows. And the fact that there is that pressure of, eyes being on you whilst you navigate this life. Um, so yeah, being able to, again, connect with their stories and understand how they've navigated it has been been really amazing. And do you think people underestimate that in millennials, the fact of actually sometimes how deep these networks go, often called like the snowflake generation. Do you think that that is actually not given as much credit and definitely well for mm. yourself of what you your personal experience in any case? I think for some people in our generation, they do struggle with genuine connection. So, so I understand why that term's been thrown around because, because of social media, for instance, I might see my cousin's social media posts every day. So I feel like, oh yeah, I've got that connection with him, even though I haven't picked up the phone to call him in a month's time. Mm. So I think, <coughs> sorry, I think there is an element where there is a surface level connection where people do need to just get deeper, get vulnerable and really just share from their hearts what, what they're going through. Now you've spoken a little bit about imposter syndrome. And I think that is something that is so common in so many people when you're on the journey. So you're on the journey, you think I want to be this thing. Now you are this thing. And now you're like, am I this thing or am I still on the journey? <laughs> like, I'm perceived as this thing. <laughs> or now I'm perceived as this thing. Am I though? Like, yeah. how have you managed to navigate that? Oh, it's such a struggle. It's tough because I guess people perceive you often beyond where you even are. But then again, where is beyond where I am? It's just that it's such a difficult thing to balance. But my way, the way in which I kind of overcome that again is by looking at all the milestones, looking back at the milestones. I think especially for entrepreneurs who are visionary or anyone who's visionary, you reach a milestone, but you're so quick to chase after the next one you're not grateful for what's actually just happened or what you've actually been able to accomplish by God's grace. So for me, being able to take stock of all of that constantly and not let it get to my head, but just enable it to kind of reinforce what I'm building and what we're building towards has enabled me to overcome that. 
But it is, yeah, it's very, very difficult, especially when people are like, oh, I love your advice on this. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just freestyling. <laughs> I I'm need some advice. <laughs> I'm making it up. I'd like but... someone to come and talk to me about this thing. <laughs> exactly. it's, it's so interesting. But I think it is also interesting that people are so hungry for information. Exactly. And so people are always looking at like, well, who's the step ahead of me? Sometimes yeah. you feel like you're nowhere, but yeah, yeah. for them, you're the step ahead of for them. Sure, so it's like sure. they just want to pull on you. For sure. So how do you, like you said, you know, sometimes you feel like, well, I'm just freestyling. How do you actually, how do you give advice sometimes when you're in a space where you're like, maybe I could actually receive some right now? Yeah, I just, I just love to give advice from a real place, give advice from experiences I've actually gone through, things I've actually encountered. Because um, to me, that's, the, that's often the realest advice I, could, I can give. Um, so that's, yeah, that's enabled me to be able to advise people. Um, I try not to give advice in areas that I don't know enough about or as knowledgeable about and, yeah, do the research myself. As someone once said, you know, when you join Twitter, you immediately have all knowledge. <laughs> we can answer any question. So tell me, what inspires you? Um, I'm inspired by levelling out the playing field. Um, I'm inspired by creating opportunity. I'm inspired by others around me seeing what is possible. It's one of the reasons I chose watches as well is because I felt like most people thought it was an avenue that was unattainable that we couldn't go down, which made me think, okay, I'll show you that it can be done. So that inspires me kind of facing what seems impossible, but making it happen. And what do you define as success or when will you think you're successful? If success isn't a journey. <laughs> oh, I was about to drop that one. Um, but cheesy as it sounds, I genuinely believe success is a journey. As in, I think it's, it's similar to salvation, as in you are saved, you're being saved, you're outworking that salvation. So I believe taking that step towards the vision God's given you mm. is, a, is success in a sense, but then continually outworking that and being diligent with that, bringing other people along the journey, I think that's success as well. So I think you're successful, but you're also outworking it as, as you go along. And so just tell me a little bit about how you see the future. Future, I just, I just want to do what we're doing now as a business, but on a larger scale. Um, I just want to be able to impact more lives, inspire more people, bring up your, more young people within our company. We've actually recently created some jobs in Ghana as well. So being able to create some, some jobs and actually distribute wealth there as well as remove barriers to education is really, really important to me. So yeah, I just want to do what we're doing now, but on a, on a much larger scale. And what do you think churches, I mean, you go to, as I've mentioned, a super creative church. There's probably some creatives frustrated in their church or frustrated. What do you think churches or us as a church community could be doing to greater harness the creative potential that are sitting in our pews every Sunday? It's interesting. I think that, I think creatives who are feeling frustrated should be, should first focus on being faithful with what has been given to them and just being super, super diligent, going above and beyond, even when you don't, you're, you don't feel fully in line with the vision that's been handed mm. to you it's about running with that vision anyway and giving it your all because i believe as you give that your all then more trust is released as more mm. trust is released you can then be more creative in your outlook because you've you've ran with the vision that was initially given to you so i think 
creatives just first think think like that as opposed to point fingers at leadership. Um, and I would just encourage leadership to think more and more about the younger generation coming up and looking out for those br- bright sparks, those people looking to solve problems and yeah, bring them along along that journey and inspire them and give them the, the creative freedom to outwork things and often maybe even fail, but at least give it a go and then go again and go again. And our viewers love to pray. So if they could be praying for you, for this business, for its outworkings, what would you like them to pray for? Um, I would just love to pray for um, growth of our outreach, growth of the impact we make as a business. I'd love for people to pray that our team just stays close-knitted and stays in line with God in, in every way. So yeah, those are the probably key prayers I would, yeah, I would love. Amazing. At TBN UK, we want the gospel to be in as many homes in this country as possible. Will you pray with us that we continue to work with the vision that God has given? That's one way of partnering with TBN UK. Or you can tell someone about this podcast, our 24-7 programming on Freeview Channel 65 or Sky Channel 582. You can follow us on social media or give. It costs £15 a minute to spread the gospel via TV. For more information on how to join us in sharing the love of Jesus through media, go to tbnuk.org. Thank you for listening.